Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. The T-Biz Podcast delivers T-News that you need to know. A recap of the week's major headlines with commentary and cultural trends hosted by Dan Bolton. It is the voice of origin for tea professionals and enthusiasts worldwide. Think of us as a digital caravan of storytellers, bringing authentic, authoritative, and exclusive stories to you weekly from the tea lands. Hello, everyone. Here are this week's headlines. Easing COVID restrictions lead to uncertainty in China's tea industry. Soon millions of urban Chinese will return to their ancestral homes in rural China for the Lunar New Year, raising concerns about outbreaks and possible labor shortages in key regions as the spring harvest begins. The world's top black tea producers experienced export declines in 2022. Speakers at this year's Global Tea Initiative Colloquium at the University of California, Davis, discuss tea and value. What do we value about tea, and how do we value it? Plus, Grace Farms is introducing a line of ethically and sustainably sourced teas that co-founder and CEO Adam Thatcher says will give back 100% of profits to help end enforced labor worldwide forever. More in a minute, but first, this important message. What makes a perfect cup of Ceylon tea? The perfect cup is from the tea businesses that ensure the protection of all the children living within their tea estates. We salute Keilani Valley, Talawakili, Bogawanthalawa, Haraka, and Eliptia Tea Estates. Support Save the Children, Sri Lanka. The end of China's dynamic zero-COVID policy is returning vitality to the travel, outbound tourism, restaurant and catering, and entertainment sectors, all of which benefit tea sales. But easing track and trace rules also enable consumers to circulate leading to a steep incline in viral infections. Soon millions of urban Chinese will return to their ancestral homes in rural China for the Lunar New Year, raising concerns about outbreaks and possible labor shortages in tea regions as the spring harvest begins. Last year, around 251 million Chinese tourists took domestic trips during the Spring Festival. According to the Chinese Ministry of Transportation, they made 1.2 billion visits during the festival, down from a pre-COVID total of 415 million trips and 3 billion visits in 2019. According to the World Health Organization, China no longer publishes details on the spread of the infection, raising concerns about, quote, underrepresenting, end quote, the impact. 
In the two weeks before January 4th, China reported fewer than 20 COVID deaths, despite millions of infections, according to WHO. The festival is celebrated from January 22nd through February 9th. President Xi Jinping, in his year-end address, expressed strong confidence in an economy that has demonstrated, quote, strong resilience and tremendous potential, end quote. However, economic growth in China slowed during the past six months after a strong start. Tea is an exception, with steady exports during the worst of the pandemic. Extreme weather proved to be more of an obstacle than zero COVID. Chinese Customs reported $2.3 billion in export revenue in 2021 on a volume of uh, 3.7 million metric tons. China imports only small amounts of tea, mainly black tea, from Sri Lanka, India, and Kenya. In 2021, China spent $167.5 million on tea imports, about 2.5% of total global tea imports. Sri Lanka, the world's largest supplier of Orthodox black tea, was China's primary black tea supplier until this year, when production declined due to an economic crisis. Tea exporters dealing with China's market expressed concern that the recent increase in infections will further hamper trade, according to Sujit Patra with the Indian Tea Association. India is also experiencing difficulties meeting the Chinese import standards for chemical residues in tea. Exports from India to China nearly doubled from uh, $12 billion in 2014 to $21 billion in 2022, an increase of 78%. However, imports were down by 11% in November. December is usually the low point for shipments. Easing COVID restrictions has not impacted cargo movement, according to the Indian National Shipowners Association. Export volume in Kenya and Sri Lanka, two of the world's top three black tea exporting countries, declined in 2022. Data is preliminary and the reasons vary as weather, geopolitics, and pandemic-induced economic setbacks resulted in another lackluster year for trading tea. Kenya experienced the most severe decline as export volume fell by 22% to 333 million kilos through September, the first decline in export volume since 2017. Rains in northeast Kenya have failed the past five consecutive seasons, making 2022 the driest in 70 years. Production dropped by 2%. But Pakistan's climate catastrophe and the Ukraine invasion wreaked the most havoc. Kenya is the world's largest exporter of black tea. Sri Lanka fared the best of the three despite a sharp decline in production. Export revenue held steady as auction prices averaged record highs, but production through October was down by 47.5 million kilos compared to the same period in 2021. As a result, totals are near a 26-year low. Exports in November declined by 25% by volume, but Sri Lanka forecasted export revenue of $1.2 billion, 
in 2022. The tea industry recorded the country's highest average prices from January through December at 1,233 rupees, or about $3.38 per kilo for the calendar year average, due in part to a sharp depreciation of the Sri Lankan rupee. The situation in India is mixed. Tea production in northern India grew by 27% during the first three quarters of 2022, but fell 6% in South India, according to the Tea Board of India. Total production is estimated at 1,340 million kilos, roughly the same as in 2021. However, India produced and exported a lot more Orthodox tea in 2022. As a result, the average price at auction for Orthodox tea rose 32% to 300 rupees per kilo. Through November, Orthodox production totaled 142 million kilos compared to 130 million kilos of Orthodox tea. As a result, Total tea exports were 185 million kilos through October, compared to 160 million kilos during the same period in 2021. The year-end total is predicted to be 225 million kilos, up from 196 million kilos exported in 2021. Globally, black tea production is expected to contract by 3%, according to the rating agency ICRA. The Global Tea Initiative for the Study of Tea Culture and Science will host a day-long discussion of tea and value during GTI's 8th Annual Colloquium on Thursday, January 19th. The in-person event at the UC Davis Conference Center in Davis, California, features presentations by several scholars and tea experts, including a session on making the best of pests, the value of bug-bitten tea, a session on tea extracts and their value as antivirals, a presentation on black tea history titled Roots of Wellness in the African Diaspora, and a presentation on tea culture and social value in modern American and Japanese history. The Global Tea Initiative was founded in 2015 to promote evidence-based knowledge about tea from a global perspective. In 2023, GTI announced it will launch the UC Davis GTI Tea Program. Sessions are open to the public and free of charge. Register at globaltea.ucdavis.edu. Arvinda Anantharaman in Bengaluru files a year-end report on India's tea auction prices. India Tea Price Report for the week ending December 31st, 2022. An overview of how tea fared at the auctions in 2022. Production for 2022, excluding December, now stands at 1,207.78 million kilos, which for the same period in 2021 was uh, 1,277.21 million kilos. Exports for the period between January to October stood at 185.31 million kilos, up by about 25 million kilos from the previous year. In prices and sale volume, in North India, Orthodox tea did well, averaging 88% sale volume. 
an average price of 281 rupees per kilo. South India saw reasonable sale volume at 67%, averaging 150 rupees a kilo. The CTCT, North Indian auctions sold 71%. Uh, and the South also sold 71% of CTC. But in the South, average prices did not exceed 150 rupees a kilo, whereas the average price in North India was 191. Breaking this down further, CTC dust did very well in South India, averaging 124 rupees, higher than uh, CTC leaf, uh, average 95 rupees a kilo. In North India too, Orthodox and CTC dust both did well with high average prices. CTC dust, in fact, sold for a higher average price of 199 compared to CTC leaf, it sold for an average of 189 rupees a kilo. Overall, Darjeeling fared poorly with an average sale of 58% and an average sale price of 341 rupees per kilo. In green tea, only 25 tons of green tea from North India came to auction. 68% was sold. Prices were better than black tea, averaging 353 rupees. Four tons of green tea came to auctions in South India, which three were sold for an average price of 299 rupees. In markets, 2022 saw Sri Lanka's markets turn to India the UAE and Iran among them. However, the CIS block continues to lead exports for orthodox leaf and premium CTC. Domestic buyers were more active for CTC leaf and dust. Based on the T-Board of India's January to October data, top five markets were CIS countries, which includes the Russian Federation, Ukraine, and Kazakhstan. Number two spot was held by the UAE, followed by Iran, the USA, and the UK. For news and policies, in 2022, South India adopted the Japanese style of auctions and despite early resistance to it, has continued with it. The new Tea Act was supposed to be rolled out in 2022 and is still awaited. The war in Ukraine caused Russian markets to close temporarily to exports, which eventually became normal. Exports to Australia have opened up. Uh, with Darjeeling, Tata Consumer Products stepped away from purchase of Darjeeling Tea following a government order which banned blending GI-protected Darjeeling tea with imported Nepal tea. This severely impacted the sale of Darjeeling, particularly the monsoon flush. With the order being withdrawn in October 2022, the order has now been amended to say that the GI tea can be blended with an imported tea but cannot claim the GI label. And now, a word from our sponsor. Hello. I'm Bogdan, a passionate tea drinker and the inventor of the ultimate tea machine, the Brewmaker One. Preparation is key to making fine tea. Sequential steepings deliver the best taste possible and unlock the true value of whole leaf teas and botanicals. Brew automates that process without using any pots or capsules. This simple operate smartphone control device stores steeping profiles to consistently make great tea at the push of a button. Brew also reduces time, waste and energy. That's because I engineered the brew to remember settings for temperature, brewing time and quantity. Using my patented process lets you stack steep simply and conveniently. This week, T-Biz travels to New Canaan, Connecticut, where Grace Farms is introducing a line of ethically and sustainably sourced teas that co-founder and CEO Adam Thatcher 
says we'll give back 100% of profits to help end forced labor worldwide forever. According to Adam Thatcher, even though slavery was abolished globally nearly a century ago, more than 28 million people are trapped in forced labor worldwide. Poverty and lack of access to education create opportunities for those who stand to benefit from the exploitation of vulnerable men, women, and children. In modern times, forced labor takes the form of work with little or no pay, fear, and coercion, and restricted freedom of movement. This often occurs at the beginning of the supply chain where our food is harvested, our clothes are made, and the materials used in our buildings are extracted. Adam, welcome to the podcast. Tell us about your mission and vision and introduce our listeners to how the TU cell plays a major role in improving the lives of suppliers. Well, Dan, thank you for having me on the program. A big fan and very excited to share our story. At the beginning of our story is this amazing place called Grace Farms. It's a cultural and humanitarian center in New Canaan, Connecticut, where we're free and open to the public and we pursue justice and where people can come and encounter the arts. We also foster community at this place. It's sort of like a new paradigm shift of a what could be a public place. We really want to be open and welcoming and inviting to everyone. Tea has played a critical role in us doing that. Tea being this common beverage that everyone enjoys around the world that conveys a sense of hospitality, of welcoming from a host to a guest, but also the comforting nature that when you come to a new place, whether it's at a friend's house or going to um, a, a place like Grace Farms, a nice warm beverage just helps you lower your shoulders a little bit, find that commonality, and then begin the dialogue. So our story with tea begins there. But then where we really became involved in the tea game uh, to another level was when we created a new company called Grace Farms Foods. And it is a public benefit subsidiary of Grace Farms Foundation that was created to be able to share our signature coffees and teas with the whole world. And that's really where we got started. Your range of premium teas seeks to enforce labor and mirrors Grace Farms' aesthetic, making the world a more just, sustainable, and peaceful place. Will you tell listeners about your blends and sourcing strategy? Our tea blends are are pretty unique in that they were developed by Grace Farms resident tea master, Frank Quay. Frank has welcomed hundreds of thousands of visitors to Grace Farms with a warm cup of tea and fantastic conversation explaining what Grace Farms is. Our first set of teas that we came out with are organic herbal blends that are his own family recipes. And what makes them very unique is that they're naturally sweet, much sweeter than what you'd normally expect. They've got about 10% organic stevia leaf in them, just as if you were to pick it out of the garden and taste it and it tastes sweet. I almost find it hard to go back and drink a, a regular herbal tea, like a chamomile tea that doesn't have this natural sweetness. And for us, it's exciting because we've sort of packaged a perfect blend all in one sachet. No need to add 
a sugar that probably isn't organic and has been heavily processed. Since the success with those, we've been developing now a line of black teas. We're getting ready to come out with green teas, wellness blends, um, all using the expertise of Frank uh, to be able to come up with these really inspiring blends. Where are you sourcing your teas from? We source teas from around the world and herbals from around the world. So uh, right now, our teas are coming from India, Sri Lanka. We're now going to be also coming into bringing in teas, green teas from China and Genmaicha from Japan. And then herbals are coming from a wide variety of places. For example, rooibos coming from South Africa, lavender coming from Croatia, chamomile from Egypt, really trying to find the best origins from a quality standpoint, and then digging into the supply chain from there to make sure that they are ethically and sustainably produced, sourced, and traded. Let's talk about your concerns about forced labor and the problems associated with child labor. Describe for our listeners what can be done and how. Grace Farms Foundation, a not-for-profit organization, its stake in the ground is to end forced labor around the world. It has a particular focus on supply chain analysis and with a priority on the building material supply chain, because we sit at this interesting intersection of architecture and human rights. However, T has given us this new opportunity to not only demonstrate through building materials, which is a very sort of consumer friendly industry, right? You build a building once and it lasts for 50 years, whereas tea is something that's consumed daily. So when we decided to start Grace Farms Foods, we ultimately decided to start it with three goals. The first is to share Grace Farms with everyone through our signature teas. The second is to demonstrate and educate about ethical and sustainable supply chains. And then the third is giving back 100% of the profits to supporting Design for Freedom, which is an initiative that began at Grace Farms to end forced labor in said architecture and construction industry. As we are building out a program to demonstrate and educate about ethical and sustainable supply chains, and this is during the pandemic, that having the opportunity to get to the origin wasn't an option to begin with. So we started by saying, okay, how do we, how do we have some reassurance that we're not participating in forms of child labor, but also making sure that human rights uh, are being respected and and that a fair pay is being given to those farmers or those tea workers uh, for the work that they're doing. So we looked at a number of uh, a fair trade certification, and then we since then have changed fair trade certifications to partner with Fair Trade International and the U.S. branch of Fair Trade International, which is Fair Trade America. It's it's actually the most globally recognized fair trade certification around the world. It began in Europe and and works with FlowCert. We saw this as an opportunity for us to lead the conversation in the tea industry here in the United States by partnering with Fairtrade International to become the first U.S. brand using Fairtrade certified ingredients in our teas. Fairtrade has more rigorous standards, and it really is producer-led. It focuses on smallholder farms and includes those stakeholders in every point of the conversation, um, from the setting of standards to uh, pay premiums and minimums to the ecology and environmental uh, practices that are exhibited by these certified farms that we source from. So that, that was really the beginning for us. But then 
that's just using a third party to say, okay, there's been an audit, they've met our standards, but then there's this need for what I think is the most important is that first party audit. You yourself going to the origin, meeting with the tea pickers, talking with the tea managers and making sure what they're saying aligns with what the factory worker is saying as you're asking these questions and getting to really immerse yourself in the culture that is tea in some of these areas around the world, like Darjeeling. It is more than just a job or an industry. It is life. It is culture. And so for us to experience that was incredibly validating. And it just creates an opportunity for really long-term relationships when you find a partner who has values alignment like your own. Two-thirds of the transaction price is concentrated towards the retail end of the tea supply chain. How do you bridge the gap between a consumer who's paying a higher price and a producer who's not fully benefiting from that well-intentioned purchase? As I was mentioning, partnership is the cornerstone to creating a fantastic product that is sustainable not only from you know, the conventional view of sustainability, environmental, and from a human's rights end, but also from a business side, right? Because as you develop a stronger relationship and partnership, then you find more efficiencies and you're able to supply even a larger market. And so our partnership began ultimately with a fantastic individual by the name of Kunal Patel, who is the owner and CEO of a company called Davidson's Organics. In my opinion, Tea needs to be all organic. <laughs> it is crazy to me that the wide, very wide, largest market of tea is tea that has had pesticides sprayed on it, synthetic fertilizers put into it. And this is a product that is very, very lightly processed and then put in a cup with boiling hot water poured on it, and then you drink it. So on two issues there, A is the personal health of the consumer who's having it. But then the lasting effect even further is the impact on our own environment. It has been proven that organic farming practices protect soil health, improve water retention, create more resilient plants, and also creates a more uh, reliable crop year after year. So that should be the like non-negotiable lowest common denominator that all the tea industry should be moving towards. Now, beyond that, right, let's be honest, that deforestation is also occurring because there is not a proper living wage for small farmers. And that is the reason why they need to continue expanding their growing areas. And then the last part to it is that biodynamic farming is essential to this too, right? Intercropping with native species of trees, other shrubs that attract different types of microorganisms, insects that all benefit the soil health, which is not only helping to trap carbon, tea is actually a very effective plant at absorbing CO2 and trapping it in the soil. And biodynamic farming practices only accelerate that process faster. So, so to me, that's really where the, the, the argument needs to be is that there needs to be agreement and that does have to come from consumers as well, 
right? Consumers need to stop buying tea that's not organic and meet those standards. So, so that's our commitment is that the tea we source is going to meet those minimum requirements. And this is one of the reasons why we chose to partner with Fairtrade International because they have a whole climate resilience program that they've built in that they help educate the producers at origin on how to create more resilient farms and how to be using more organic practices that will combat climate change. Now, as we grow and we're able to have a surplus of profit, nothing would make us happier than to continue to strengthen those relationships with the producers where we're sourcing our, our teas from. by what you heard in today's podcast? Would you like to learn more from our global network of T-Biz journalists and tea experts? Remember to visit the T-Biz website for more comprehensive coverage. That's www.t-bizbiz.com. Thanks for listening. Farewell till next week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.